Hello and welcome to the Yoga Life Podcast. Uh, This is Kevin. I'm speaking a little bit quieter today because I have a little dog on my lap. His name's Alfie. This is the the newest member of the family, you could say. Although I'm not one of those people who calls themselves daddy or, you know, says to, I'll go to mummy when referring to a dog because I love the dog, but uh, it's not my child. Um, but I had to be quiet because he's asleep for now. I um, hope you're keeping well. The sound you hear behind me is the water tank because I'm having maybe a bath installed. Just have a look at the plumbing. But um, yeah, how's life with you? Are you good? If you notice, I sound a little bit sleepy because when you got a dog, they don't like to sleep too much at the very start. And uh, as that goes, that's worth it because he's a lovely, lovely little chap. Anyway, this podcast, let's get professional now, is brought to you by Small Changes. As always, Small Changes, organic, eco-friendly store. You know, I think that if you love something in life, you've got to look after it. But before you look after that thing, you've got to look after yourself. You know, be the best version of yourself. And a great way to do that is to eat well. So check out Small Changes and get yourself some organic stuff. If you'd like to make your house or even your yoga studio smell nice, then check out the nature of things. These guys make really lovely essential oils. They're on a different level. You'll know that when you go onto the website, thenatureofthings.ie. Even the artwork is beautifully done, very, very tasteful. And they also have a, um, they have the diffusers now that they Make them. They sell themselves made of ba- recycled bamboo, and if you go onto the website and you put in the promo code Yoga Life, you get ten percent off all purchases. So it could be a nice little gift for Christmas. Um, if you'd like to come to a workshop, as you know, on uh, maybe you don't know, could be your first time listening, then you can go to Sligo in December on the fourteenth for my handstand workshop. All information is on kevinboyyoga.ie and you can check me out online. You can feel free to get in touch if you like the podcast. If you'd like to share it with a friend, that'd be fantastic. And also to uh, leave a review on iTunes, that'd be brilliant. He's waking up now. So um, yeah, today, well not today, it was actually last week, I had with me David Cam. David is one of my favorite people. He's been on the podcast before. Um, David practices uh, a very fluid style of yoga because he's deeply inspired by dance and dance is something I find really interesting because I, <laughs> I'm i scared of dancing without but drinking and this is something we David talked about a little bit and uh, we talked a lot about teaching really and, and, and the skill of teaching and um yeah, he he's he's a lovely chap. So, if you get a chance to go to one of his workshops, I highly recommend it. Okay, without further ado, here's David. Hey, Dave. How are you? Hello. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. What's it like being back in Dublin? I'm good. Yeah, like same as in what I've remembered. Just really, really friendly people. Mm. Mm, probably a little bit colder, 
And mm. yesterday, especially, it was just I was drenched. Um, but oh, yeah. otherwise, yeah, all good. <laughs> it really heavily. Yeah, um, I did. So what you're you're here again because you did you did a weekend of workshops. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just finished your flying back tonight. Mm-hmm. What what were the workshops this time around? Um, there were more master classes where I'm where I was sharing, I guess, my little reimagination of what classes can be like, uh, yoga classes. Uh, so one thing that I've really kind of driven home in terms of a point that I share with the students is a quote actually that I've been uh, relating to a lot, and it's the quote is. Basically, the creative poverty of not yet knowing is an invitation to play. Say that one more time. So, the creative poverty of not yet knowing is an invitation to play. Right. Oh, okay. So, essentially saying that to not know is a good thing because therefore you can uh-huh. explore and that's your opportunity yeah. to learn. Yeah. Right. And it's me just recently delving into this idea of how, you know, I feel just as adults, we get very magnetized towards needing to find an answer, to find a solution. And that's how uh, you can you can see how, that's how yoga in terms of uh, business has been run, where, you know, we are offering solutions. You're offering, like, tips and tricks to do this or that, to nail mm. this posture and stuff. And um, I feel sometimes when we uh, get to that place then we realize that there's always going to be things that we don't know enough of or that we don't know yet. Mm. And what I'm sensing in terms of the yoga climate is that people are getting overwhelmed by things that they don't know. The more they learn, they're like, the more I don't know. And oh my gosh, I'm like, like when am I ever going to know everything? And, you know, it becomes something almost negative. Mm. Um, And I was just like, actually, it can be really exciting if you don't know something enough because that means there's uh, no kind of there's no barriers that you're putting in yourself to understand what something is Mm. and that creates so many more possibilities Mm. and so uh, what I've shared with the students this weekend was how is it that we can leave every session with more questions and more friends (laughs) yeah that's that's, you you mentioned that that early in the car about Mm. um, teaching a class and encouraging people to be even more introspective and, and to question things mm. um and i know i think the whole tips and tricks things works mm. quite well because we live in a in a world now where we want things instant mm-hmm. and i find that say with amazon shopping on amazon i, yeah. I swore <laughs> i swore myself look mm. i'm not going to shop on amazon anymore because the environment and i want to mm. support local community but convenience will get you when you're like it's so convenient and i can buy, sure. i can buy it and then mm. i don't i can return it without having mm. to pay for return packaging and that's really hard to beat and i think mm. now as well when we see like a video if mm. you see a video up on youtube and it says three tips to do whatever and it's three minutes long yeah it's gonna get clicks but I think if you approach the yoga practice that way, mm. you're you're kind of um, looking at it almost like a you're ticking boxes, mm-hmm. and then if you don't tick the boxes, you feel disappointed. Mm-hmm. If you feel disappointed, you probably won't go again. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me for years. When I first started, I assumed I could do certain things that I, that I couldn't do, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, I think that's probably a big reason why people come and go 
from yoga. Mm. Um, but when you're when you're teaching, because your your flows are, are pretty unconventional and mm. they're, um, you don't like you. Um, it's almost like uh, it feels like you're um, you're improvising and you're asking people to essentially do their version of of certain poses and some things when i did your workshop Mm. um that i'd never done before Mm. and so i had no it's funny because i had no way of measuring if i was doing it right or wrong yeah yeah but that is that in itself it of of thinking is it right is it wrong Mm. isn't a a good mind frame is it really Mm, i wouldn't say it's uh good or bad in the sense because that's then I guess me contradicting myself. <laughs> but it's essentially just um, knowing that there's there's never just one answer. Yeah. Right? So, like, um, one of the funniest, like, not funniest, but, like, one of the most common things I would hear from students or especially fellow teachers is that they get confuzzled by, but this teacher said this, and that teacher said that. Mm. But they're both valid. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to pick one. Mm-hmm. Because... What they're saying is what works for them. And this is where I'm getting at. How can we get the students to understand that all that the teachers can say is really from their experience Mm. and that you need to take these um, prompts and these uh, cues as just a way of, okay, this is where they're getting at. Does it work for my body? If it doesn't work, then try something else. And, and, and it's that. So if it then becomes something very presented, like, okay, this is the way to do it, then obviously people get convinced that, okay, this is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Then they stop questioning. And when they stop questioning, they're always going to have to fall back onto this codependency of like, oh, I don't know something, so let's ask my teacher. Mm-hmm. But you can figure a lot of the things out on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously the teachers, they come with more experience. So there's a level of um, facilitation where it can accelerate your learning process. But um, it's, again, back to that mentality of teaching your students to fish or giving your students the fish. <laughs> it's that. Yeah. Yeah. So how how is it that we can acknowledge that there are many, many, many approaches to one thing and that what well, really we need to try and do is to keep our minds open to all these different possibilities mm-hmm. because the body is a state that's constantly erased by the new and what works for you today may not work for you tomorrow mm. you know like and the most obvious kinds of chains uh, would be the female body right if you uh, are really really um, like you know before birth during pregnancy, after birth, menopause, all of that your body will change and so what you need would change and you can't just stick to that one strategy the whole time Mm -hmm. and how is it that as students you have the confidence to find that intuition to go okay yeah this is not really where i want to get at today uh let me try something else Mm. yeah yeah but even in that situation where you're encouraging people to ask questions and you're saying that your way is not the hard and fast rule Mm -mm. Even, but what you're doing there is it's, there's a thin line between doing that and also and not having any authority. So you know, yes. you've got to deliver it in a way that is authoritative. That's yes. Um, and I've noticed that on the teacher training, mm. uh, because this weekend, uh, on Saturday, as in yesterday, because we're recording this on a Sunday, um, six hours I'm with the students, 
mm. the trainees. And I find that you, you can't you can't pull the wool over anyone's eyes. You, mm. Sometimes if you're teaching an hour class and you're mm. you can almost perform. You mm-hmm. can kind of no matter how you're feeling, you can just uh, be Mr. No almost, as in like be confident and say this that because when it, in a class, I realize this, it's a one way communication. Mm-hmm. You're talking and they're basically following essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Apart from sometimes when you break things down, but mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I had recently someone in the class talk to me. Mm. And I was like, whoa, they said, um, oh, it was in Pigeon, they said, sorry, am I doing this right? And I, I remember, <laughs> it just, it just yeah. this person um, it, didn't do many yoga classes, so they didn't mm-hmm. know the, for want of a better word, the etiquette. And mm. I was I was taken back, I thought, oh, I'm having a conversation now in a class, which I'm just not used to. <laughs> but then what I realized is, in the teacher training, it is a conversation, and mm-hmm. it's for, in this case, six hours. Mm. And in those six hours, any insecurities you have in your head are going to come mm. out as a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, mm. I, now I, I, I've contradicted myself or whatever. Mm. If you can say something, even if it is like contradicting yourself, mm. and you can say, um, you can frame it in a way that shows them that that's okay. And that is the mm-hmm. process of thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the process of thinking is not knowing all the time. It's mm. contemplating, having mm-hmm. an idea, Seeing how the idea works, reassessing it, and then having maybe a slightly different idea. Yeah. Um, but I have I found that like I don't know if you experienced it before, before, but say someone in the class who is really experienced in yoga, mm. and they'll say, "Well, actually, what about this?" Or um, I was told it was this way. Mm. And how you handle that is so um, you it's, it's skilled, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you had that before where you're in the class and someone's oh, gone yeah. no that's wrong <laughs> oh for sure I, I do get lots of um, like uh, I guess situations <laughs> where there are you know uh, disagreements and again just you know understanding that okay this is great that there's a disagreement because like I said again there's not one way and so where is this like source of di- disagreement coming from mm. and how can that then contribute to a richer discussion yeah yeah and exactly yeah so it's like you know with my students i always say if i if i see them it doesn't directly help my business but if i do see them too frequently in my class i'll be like have you been practicing anyone else's class mm. can you make sure you do that <laughs> <laughs> because again i i'm only coming in with my lens and uh, what I want to advocate is, again, for people to find multiple lens into doing things. So it's really important that every practitioner would have different teachers within uh, the fields of study that they're engaged in. And you can totally, like, make this, uh, scale this up into, like, a macro thing. Like, you know, being a person, I'm not just a teacher. I am a son. I am a, a, um, an uncle. I am a brother. All of that. There's a, mm. there's a varied perspective there. Mm. And yeah, how can you keep this level of diversification in your practice? It's one thing to like niche into something and like really get into like a specialty of one thing. But um, lately, I, I watched a documentary on creativity and uh, oh, this guy, Nathan, Nathan Mervold. I don't, do you know him? Look at this, Nathan, one second. I bought a pad. Yeah. Look at my new pad. <gasps> now, this is why we need a video podcast. I, I have a gorgeous new pad. And this, it's like, it, it's gorgeous. It looks like, well, how do you describe it? 
um, leather bound, very classic, and something I would take to like. I don't know, venture in the sea or something, <laughs> you know. Like... So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. And um, what was this guy's name? Nathan Mervold. So Nathan, and I think it's M Y R V H O L D. I think. Nathan Mervold. Okay. Yeah. So he used to be, I believe, the CTO of Microsoft. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's supposedly one of the like. M- most genius guys in mm. in the world, and he. If you look at his resume, he does so many interesting things. Like as in, he would be this CTO guy, but he's also the author of a cookbook. Wow! <laughs> he's an enthusiast of dinosaurs. Oh, mm. something. Like that. But anyway, um, the the point of it was, um, I very vividly remembered him saying in this documentary that. Us as people, we're told to niche, to niche, and to find that one true calling so much that we are starting to know more and more and more about less and less and less to a point where we know nothing. (laughs) That's so true. That's why people like Da Vinci are so fascinating because he can do so many things. That's the thing. And and I think that as humans, we we often say, don't judge. Oh, you shouldn't judge people. But our human nature is to make a judgment. Yeah. We have to for our survival. Mm-hmm. If someone knocks on your door and they're wearing a suit, their hair's done nice, they're smiling, mm. you're going to answer that door differently to mm. if someone is there wearing a tracksuit or maybe the head is covered. For example, that's a judgment. Mm. But we also do that. We also pigeonhole people mm-hmm. because we have to, we're trying to make quick assessments in our head. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you see someone who is, let's say... Um, Maybe like a yoga teacher, good example, mm. obviously, in this case. Yeah. And you think, okay, that's probably all they do, and they're flexible, they're very calm, and mm. they are vegan, and they wear hemp, and this, this type of thing, or play the bongos. Mm. But we don't, we don't, um, and because now we live, as you were saying, in like mm. almost echo chambers where we're fed the same things on our Google searches all, all the time, we, we get very, very narrow, narrow, narrow. And actually, I think that's why, that's why long form content like podcasting is so interesting because mm-hmm. you start to realize that you david cam mm. are not just a teacher you are a son uncle as you were saying a brother yeah. and um but but all, but in relation to teaching yoga and you said it feels like you're kind of doing yourself out of business i said yesterday in teacher training i said put your hand i, I, think I have I forget I, I framed it but i said mm. you should all be doing pull-ups mm. to some degree even hanging from a bar definitely or, it was. I said it's something like that. I, I can't remember exactly how I said it, but essentially, like we need. If you're pushing, you need to pull, mm. and I am therefore saying, like maybe that evening that you may come to my class, instead you might choose to go to the gym and do pull-ups. Mm-hmm. So am I doing myself a disservice? But I think I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I wasn't honest. Exactly. And said because you can make a pull-up yogic <laughs> if you're doing it with the right intention the yeah. breathing you know uh, mm. practicing self-care when you're doing your pull-up and not like berating yourself um but but that is and i think as the receiver because mm. rachel was telling me the other day um that she went to an acupuncturist mm-hmm. and she went in she was excited about getting acupuncture she, um and she was like you know really couldn't wait to tell them all about it and she got there and the lady wouldn't wouldn't do acupuncture on her yet she was like no oh. not yet i want to talk to you first mm. and do you ever have the experience where s- s- someone could sell you something and they choose not to 
and you're like, I like them now. I really, tr- I trust them because they have integrity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, because um, I think in the long term, mm. that is going to keep people, um, they know you have their, their best interest at, at your mm. heart. Is that the right expression? Exactly, yeah. Their best interest. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 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 you, know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I want to talk to you about dance. Mm. Because... Um, since we last spoke, mm. and just because I th- thought of Rach there, this comes to mind. Um, so I've always had a, what's the best way to say this? Um, a hang up mm. about dancing. Mm-hmm. And I um, I stopped drinking about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then I hadn't, I hadn't danced and never been in a situation where I had to dance. Yeah. And I see the way I say had there. Yeah. <laughs> Not given the opportunity to dance. An obligation, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I was at a wedding about five months ago. It was this summer. Mm. And it was my best friend's wedding. Mm. Me and Rachel went over to England. And I thought to myself, um, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> the, the moment is mm-hmm. coming. <laughs> and now, granted, I did have like, I think, two or three beers. So um, I did break the rules there a little bit, but what I what I realised was I said I'm not going to wait until it mm. gets awkward, mm. and like people are like come on dance dance pulling mm. me up and dance, and I just said as soon as the first song came on I said do you want to do you want to dance? Yeah, just that surprise you know. Yeah, and um, danced all night and it was um, it was incredible. And what I realised was my life mm. lacks that that expression. Mm. Like I, I feel. Like when I'm doing things, whether mm. it's like a pull up or yoga, even mm. I'm I am I have certain parameters mm. that I don't know how to go outside. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced this? We mm. yourself, or probably not yourself personally, but with other people. Uh, well, I start with myself. Um, I feel this is why I've been so drawn to self expression in yoga, because, like you said, it's something that feels very very different. Uh, to doing prescribed movements, you know, I could, I could again, you know, say, okay, let's do five pull-ups, you know, to to my students. That's very, very different from getting them to say explore their shoulders in their own way, <laughs> right? Because it's it's this layer of I am getting to know my body, you know. Whereas when it's like um, prescribed thing, it's it takes away a level of engagement and investment from the the person executing the action yeah as it makes sense so, yes yeah, so, 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 sorry so, so it takes a, away a level you say that again so if if i were to prescribe you yeah movements mm-hmm. i'm potentially taking away a sense of investment from your end because it's just given to you it's an instruction mm. and what that becomes is a sense of external motivation like for you to want to do what I say is because maybe you're keen to be a good student in front of me as a teacher or that you're keen to just like oh yeah I'm doing this for my strength right but if you do it from a place of expression Mm -hmm. it's an intrinsic motivation you you want to do it and that want uh, feeds back to 
what I said in the podcast we did earlier this year, which is um, the shift of mindset towards this idea of play, because you want to do it, it's not, I had to do it. And then the level of efficiency, just even cellularly, is like, yeah, like this is my body fully intending to do something, the 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 effort naturally naturally comes like you know when you dance I bet you're not like thinking of like is this a good knee alignment <laughs> you know you you just you just go and and you just feel good and sometimes you know people can come out of dance sessions I'm not talking about technical classes but like you know just either night out or whatever um uh without too much drinking and if they're really just dancing. The feedback that they would share could also be very similar feedback to a really good yoga class people would go to, mm. right? Mm. So the means, again, really doesn't quite matter. Mm. It's like kind of what, what you feel after that. And and I guess that's where I'm getting at, again, the, uh, the, the, the idea of yoga. We very much think about yoga uh, as a reduction of what we see uh, as a mat practice. But yoga is a way of living. Yoga is lifestyle. Mm. So if you then think about that, like you said, it is not very much a disservice in, in, in any way because yeah. that pull-up is is yoga. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way of living. It's you finally understanding that yoga postures are not the answers to everything. Mm. <laughs> and you need to do other kinds of movements. Mm. Um, and... This is something that, you know, we can drill into people's head, but if people start preaching it blind, blindly, it still defeats the purpose. Mm. It's that intrinsic motivation of, ah, I want to do this because I know I lack this. Then it's a much easier, it's almost as if you're taking away the, the status of having to be the teacher in the room, mm. you know? We're all teachers in the room. Like, I have an authority from, like, um, oh, I just recently did a training and they, they worded it really well in in sense of like what you said, you know, like, oh, like where, where's my line as a teacher? And it's a line between your authority of knowledge and your professional authority. And you don't have to get people to do what you say to show that you're the teacher. Mm -hmm. But you rest in the authority of your knowledge where when asked, you can then share your experience. Mm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, but that takes, you know what that takes actually? A, a, a patience. A lot I, of patience, yeah. Because I think, and I, this is something I'm trying to practice myself, and in a situation like this especially, where I'm, I can pause. I'm not looking to always jump in. I, I'm, yes. I, I want to do that. I, I'm just, it's old habits. Because mm. I want to show that I'm listening. And I want, instead of, um, so say like in a class, it's very easy to kind of bark orders at people, mm -hmm. um, give all the, the regressions, the progressions, etc. But if you can take a moment to pause, mm. invite them to think for themselves mm. and um, not necessarily have a conversation because you can't do that in a class, you can mm. do in a workshop, but to be open to... Um, letting it be two-way, but not necessarily a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, um, I suppose that, I imagine, you know, it probably comes with time, mm. teaching, but I think you could, you could teach for 20 years and, and not grow as a teacher. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I know experience is important. Yeah. Definitely, there's no substitute mm. for experience. But it doesn't. They're not. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that because you've taught for twenty years, you're a good teacher. It's not an indication of depth. Like you could be, it it could be twenty years of the same year. <laughs> yeah. You know, twenty times one. If you don't do anything, so that is one year's worth of teaching experience, right? If you don't critically question why you're doing certain things like when as a teacher as a student like when you do something like why just why 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 if you cannot answer that then mm. maybe it's time to really look into to this you know if if the answer has always been because that person said so because this person said so you haven't really quite investigated it in your own experience yet mm -hmm. so how how sure are you mm -hmm. right yeah Mm. And and you know you you're talking about yogi be more than the postures. Mm. I th I think as well that um, there is such a thing as mindless yoga. And also, I've been t I t taught this f flow last week, and um, it doesn't have any sun salutations in it. Mm -hmm. No chaturangas, no arm balances, no handstands. And I I always do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Has none of that in it. And I will say to people in the class, like, um, it's still yoga. Yeah, know? I have to, I have to preface it at the start because, mm -hmm. um, and and I, the thing is, in in the class, it's kind of a kind of delicate at the very beginning because you want it, your intro to be comprehensive, but not go on and on and on talking. Mm -hmm. You know, t two minutes maybe should be should be intro. I would say that's just what mine is, and mm. I think mine are probably a bit too long. Um, but at the same time, well. I try to say to people, look, if you wake up every morning mm. and you do Surya Namaskar A, B, you, you do it all the time and that's all you mm. ever do, why, wh what other patterns are you doing in your life that you've never questioned? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you're always practicing yin, because mm. I know yin is like taking off here. Maybe it's the same mm. in the UK, but yin is everywhere now. Mm -hmm. If you're always doing yin, 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 which is fantastic, definitely, mm. Maybe you need a bit of yang in your life. Mm. <laughs> if you're always the person who's soft, uh, maybe passive, a bit of a pushover, perhaps mm. you're the kind of person that doesn't speak up in social situations. Mm. Maybe you need a bit of fire, mm -hmm. you know. And maybe someone like me, I'm speaking personally, uh, as someone who's a type A personality, mm -hmm. I've benefited from doing more yin. Yeah. And, but it's about. I feel that it's about recognizing those. Well, I suppose just looking for balance. I know that sounds so like. No, no, yeah, but it's it's valid, Vague. and yeah. I get I get where you're uh, coming at, in this like sense of the contrasting like ends of things, right? So like students, uh, this is something that I'm still trying to like see how we can help address this as teachers, where people you typically see in a yang class are type A people. Mm. They don't necessarily need any more of that. <laughs> so then are we really teaching the people who actually need things that we're offering, right? And to, to just keep kind of going through the, the, the motions, the people who prefer yin will just keep yinning around and people who are <laughs> yang people will keep doing that. So again, they're not really listening to their body. That's, it's one thing to be like, I, I just love the practice, 
great, but to then address the need to also do what you you lack awareness in, I found that really instrumental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just yeah, how how is it that in <clears throat> teaching we can foster that sense of awareness? And this is why, like, I've been more unapologetically getting people to question. And it's hard. I know a lot of my peers, a lot of uh, slightly newer teachers are like, but some people just want to come to yoga to just be told what to do. You know, like why? Uh, like they they are not bothered with critically questioning. And I get that. And this is where again balance. We need to meet people halfway. And it's like how you know as teachers uh, like as as parents if we need to uh feed greens to children mm-hmm. right we can find creative ways to feeding them greens and they would be fine with it you know if you make an interesting shape uh with it they're still going to you know they they're, they're going to respond so how is it that we can balance a little bit of structure, a little bit of freedom uh, like in a class so that they then can start going into this mindset of questioning more? Mm-hmm. And um, what I've recently realized as well is to be able to notice change, you first need to actually change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I could have worded this better, but um, it's just this idea of, I guess, in my experience there was a point in my teaching where i share flow like flow 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 and i could see i could notice a level of disengagement from my students and for a long time i'm like hmm why like what what is it that you know i i could do to make them like in this mm-hmm. like practice uh, with a little bit more presence and then i realized that hmm if people were to be flowing the whole time, they're just in one mode. Mm-hmm. To In order to feel flow, they need to feel something else. Mm. Then they realize that, ah, okay, that was flow, yeah. and this is stillness. Yeah, and so yeah, it's, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, it's yeah, that, it's yeah. that variation. So you. how, you know, within like, in a micro setting of a class, within a yang class, what could be the elements of yin in you know in it so that people can start uh, having their interests peaked where like oh this is something that's confrontational mm-hmm. and then they can actually feel the yang even more powerfully mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time there's a seed planted there that huh that's a that's a level of like grounding or like softening that i can find mm-hmm. mm. yeah so and, and the more you do that yourself the more you can empathize with people in the class. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I'm teaching pigeon, I'll say to people, uh, I could do a chaturanga handstand fairly handy enough, relative, relative ease, but pigeon I find challenging. Mm-hmm. So, how do you define a hard posture? You can't. No, nope. it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. And and b- b- by framing that in class, you you'll get. I, I feel like. Um, you're just being more considerate of what the other people may be experiencing, and also to say, as you said, if if people are yang, you you're kind of challenging them a little bit to mm. be like, do you need another chaturanga? Do you mm. need that right now, or could mm. you maybe not do that? Mm. Like, but w- w- as I'm trying to de- develop as a teacher and get mm. better at the craft of teaching, I find that I learn. So I have 
sentences that come into my head i'm like oh that sounds good that, yeah that makes sense <laughs> and i can say that then to to reinforce something else but mm. the first time i'll say it i'll get the words right but the delivery won't be right mm. and then then once i've i've said the words the first time i go oh i said that and i sound like a bit of a dickhead when i said <laughs> no I, I if i was in the class i think this guy's an asshole you know <laughs> and i and because it's a, um, it's a bit like i feel like i'm kind of being um What's the word? Um, just like maybe a bit arrogant. Mm. My, because that confidence and arrogance is a thin line. Mm -hmm. and, when, and I say something and I'll go, oh, I could have delivered that a bit softer. Then the next mm. time I'll say it, I'll change my intonation. I'll go up at the end maybe, you know? Mm. And then until you keep refining, refining and you find a way, because it's good to challenge people. Mm. But if you deliver that in a way that sounds, seems like you don't care, mm. it's... Um, it can be really damaging because I think maybe you've experienced as well people mm. that they're in a really heightened sense of emotions when they practice yoga. Mm -hmm. um, have you have you know? I suppose as well because you you're you're te you're, te you're very um, from my experience of your teaching. It, it's like you're it's very sensory. Mm. You know you 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 like using uh, imaginative language. Mm. you're not hugely anatomical i mean you mm -hmm. know even though you know a lot about anatomy you're not huge and therefore you're bringing out emotions in people i, I felt mm -hmm. um that i wouldn't normally access mm -hmm. <laughs> um have you is that something you've consciously you consciously do yeah yeah i mean my background is in ashtanga so you know my <laughs> my first two years of teaching i guess was anatomical mm. right that's my ground and i i just keep going there but then i just realized again like what what is the effect i'm trying to create in class and again this drive of like how can i get people to be transported through movement and there's something about like this is purely my opinion and um purely based on my teaching approach, there's something about getting people to think from an anatomical point of view that gets them to their rational head. And I want to get them to the other end, to the intuitive end. Yeah. So this is why I, I try my best to keep my language quite metaphorical and imagery-based, sensory-based, so that they can then like switch off the thinking side and really just go into their body. Different case, if I'm leading a teacher training, if I'm doing a workshop on anatomy, great. We know we're here to think, then we can think it out. But right now we're moving. I want us to move. Mm. And to be getting into that like thinking space whilst moving is a lot for a, like, for a, a person to do i don't even know if i can confidently do that mm. so it's better that we have a way to just keep it towards the movement so then you know going through this idea of like feel this hear this or like see your fingers all of that immediately you're already getting to them to move and then they can you know then articulate that experience for themselves you know reflection can come you know whether um, in action or before and after um, you know, when you contemplate beyond your practice and I've, I, this is where I'm at, you know, in class, feel it, like really feel it, be intuitive with it. Uh, try to switch out the thinking head as much as you can. This is why as a teacher, like I can, you know, guide you through these templates and then you see where your body takes you mm. Mm. and then we can make sense of it later. Mm. You know, um, 
I want to sort of find out more uh, mm. about the course you're doing now because the last time we spoke, mm. you talked about studying a bit more mm -hmm. and. Um, so what's the what's the name of the course? <laughs> it is a mouthful. I didn't expect you to remember. Um, it's a specialist diploma in choreological studies. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in short, the best way I could describe what it is, is it's a way of seeing and articulating and facilitating movement. Uh, it's a very open course where... Um, my peers are choreographers, they are dancers, they are uh, teachers of dance, of yoga, of movement, uh, even architects and business majors, like lots just different. And uh, essentially, the whole like study, the, the framework of it is based on Rudolf Laban, who is one of these guys from the Renaissance era, which is what makes it interesting. Like, so which they, era? Era? Renaissance era. Oh, so Renaissance like, era. again, like, you know, people who do many things. Mm. And that's why they have this framework where it's so open for everyone to you know, be a part of. Um, and I remember the first few sentences that my teacher said, whom I've worked with for a really long time. Um, she said that this course is looking at movement. And it just really blew my mind because, yes, like we have a lot of courses out there, like especially within the yoga world, we have courses on the body. Yeah, we talk about the spiritual body. We talk about anatomy. We talk about postures, forms of the body. But we are not talking about movement, like the actual movement from one posture to the other. How do you articulate that? Like that for me, like is the interesting bit because that is what creates the movement, right? If you're in a shape, then fine. Yeah, There are micro movements, you could argue that, but the actual quality of then going from one shape to another, that we haven't really quite mm. explored that. And this is why sometimes I do have a bit of an issue with like, um, I can't say issue, but like, so you know, there's obviously a rise in mobility and animal flow, Budokan, and like, you know, all of, all of that stuff. I, I really appreciate the rise of like these movements. Mm. But again, there's an issue of the naming of things and it makes it approachable. Great people are moving in different ways, but we just need to be conscious that um, although now we're moving in different ways, uh, we, that we don't prescribe them into again, another way Oh. Of moving, and that we're still able to move around in, in, in multiple approaches. But I think the 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 reason why those you say you could say disciplines have mm. become so popular is again back to para parameters. You you've got things to measure, and mm -hmm. people want to feel like they're progressing. I know that word is mm -hmm. a bit loaded, but if you were to say to me, "Right, Kev, get on the floor." And uh, I want you to grow out of the floor like a flower. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I'd, I'd just probably stand up and put my arms in the air mm. and do a tree pose, maybe. Yeah. Um, so what I'm wondering, and again, I can't get out of this mindset of thinking, mm. uh, like, what's the end result? What, what's the benefit? As in, like, what can I produce? But of I course. But I think to myself, like, if I, and I'm just a genuine question, mm -hmm. if I, say, did interpretive dance or if I did improv mm. like comedy improv or something like that mm. how how would that could, could that affect my brain as in like could i uh 
maybe would I become more creative in the rest of my life? <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but again, creativity is not reduced to the act of it. Again, it's still a mindset. So it could be like a very daily, like your ashtanga can be creative. Mm. You know, walking can be creative. It's the state of your mind. And that that's, that's, that's the point, you know, like, uh, again, it's not wrong like for to have parameters, like you said, because people like to measure. That's a really good trait. And then you can see progression. It works for the masses mm. uh, very effectively. But then when you are deeper into a practice of an inquiring and like, you know, people who are starting to hit that thing of like, okay, yeah, I've been, I've been progressing, I've been progressing, I've been progressing. And then they hit a wall and they're like, where do I go now? That that is the part that I am now intrigued in because, um, especially within the climate of London, you know the yoga scene in London is so strong. Like everyone knows what they're doing, but and and because of that, like you know, I could really just like stand and be like, okay, practice. Mm. I could just say that, and then they can just do their practice. They're hitting a wall. They're hitting that wall of like, what's new? And this is why, you know, you, you, you get to see these like popular things of like, oh, new thing to learn that's going to FRC or that's going to one-handed like handstands and all of that because they're stuck. It's, there's a level of stuckness of like, oh, like what, what else can I do now? Same with life, right? We have these benchmarks of like, I am going to buy a car. I want to get a partner. I want to get a house. I'm going to go get married. And then you have these parameters, whether or not you, you take them all off as a checklist or whether or not you have not done any of them, right? You still end up into that place of like, uh, what now? <laughs> you know, we, we are in that constant chase. I can be, you know, the most like, again, I just go for it, make sure everything is ticked off, all my checklists done. I do that all by 35. Mm -hmm. And then no one tells you what happens after <laughs> right and then you're like uh, I probably will leave for at least 50 more years <laughs> what do I do with my life yeah, yeah. same thing life mat that how how life mat that I like yeah. that <laughs> yeah. yeah that should have been phrased <laughs> just what, what do you then do and this is the thing like we've just been constantly told what to do like in that conditioning that we then forget to inquire for ourselves mm. and yeah you get all these progressions like I said, great, but still within this uh, progression, how much more actively can you be involved as a student, as the pursuer of, of life? Like, how much more, right? Like, like I lately, well, not lately, this whole year, actually, I've been questioning the idea of fatherhood. Like, am I wanting to be a father because I've been socially conditioned, especially, uh, you know, from an Asian family? Have I just been conditioned to uh, want uh, a child? Do I really want, you know, so I really went through that whole loop of wh why, like, mm, is this what I want? Is this what why, society... Why, why would you not want to be a father? Um, well, freedom, number one. Secondly, I am in, um, uh, I'm, I'm in a gay relationship, which means that that comes with more complications of like, mm, is it adoption? Is it, um, is it, adoption? Is it surrogacy? Yeah, 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 that I would want to pursue. Mm. And uh, just whether or not it's uh, it's a genuine want, but in the end, like now, I've reached a point that I've decided I I do want to be a father, and it's not from a conditioning, like 
and just kind of like I'm just gonna do it for the sake of it. But I I want to be a father because I feel that adds another lens to me, and I can see myself again not just as a teacher or a son or a brother, but I now also can experience life、mm. as a father.、Uh, and I feel should I not choose to go down that route, I would have lost and that perspective.、Yeah. But again, that says that's me. Right, and 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 this is what I mean the the questioning of things again. Why, <laughs> and then just go down that route. Yeah, it's true. You, you can follow these paths, as you said, car, house, partner, ki、mm. kids, and not question them. And I I've been thinking about that. I mean,、mm. like as a getting、uh, getting a dog on Wednesday. So by the time this comes out, we、yeah. have a dog. <laughs> and、um, I don't. I know I don't sound very excited about it, but. <laughs> um, it's a bit like,、um, do you know what actually? My my mate, right? I I'll say this because I won't say his name, but、mm. this is kind of interesting. And I haven't said this before in the podcast.、Mm. Okay, so this friend, first of all, he's very got very dry wit, incredibly intelligent, very very funny. Like he write, I won't go into too much detail because I don't keep it keep him anonymous. <laughs> But essentially, I was playing on the same football team as him. And I found his wife was pregnant,、mm -hmm. and、um, actually it was funny because someone goes,、um, "Oh, I heard you're pregnant." He's like, "I'm not pregnant. My wife's pregnant." <laughs> I I just you know yeah <laughs> whatever you know,、uh, but I was like, "Oh, it's kind of interesting." He's not、mm. like he's 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 um he's very honest in like what he actually th thinks. He doesn't want to please. Not interested in pleasing people necessarily.、Mm -hmm. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting off the point a little bit. <laughs> so then I hadn't seen him for ages. His wife then had a baby, and. Seen him in the pub, and I was like, "Oh, let's call him Frank." Frank, I said, "Frank, God, I haven't seen you for ages."、Um, and、uh, what's it? What's it? I got, to, I got to ask you, man. What's it like to be being a dad?、Mm. Like, what is it? Is it like? Is it what they say? Is it like life changing? Yeah. And I'm there, standing at the bar with him. You know, I'm looking at him, waiting for this amazing answer. And he goes, "To be honest with you, I didn't really feel anything."、Mm. I said, "Sorry." <laughs> he said.、Um, Yeah, I mean, my wife was pregnant. I was very happy for the situation,、mm. but then when she had the baby, I、um, she's bonded to the child,、mm -hmm. and I、um, felt like that's their relationship, and I'm here to kind of help out, you know, because because the the woman、yeah. carries the baby, and therefore there's a chemical bond, and I think if you're on the if you're on the proximity, you you probably、mm. get you know you obviously care about your missus and your partner, and. But then he said, when the baby could actually talk and interact with him,、mm -hmm. now he said, like, I don't want it. To want, he's like, I'm too careful. I don't even want to be here talking to you.、Mm. I don't want to go to the pub anymore. I have no interest in being in the pub and、mm. talking about football and、um, whatever. I, I'd rather be at home with him.、Mm -hmm. you know, he, he was maybe two or three years old then. And I thought, wow, that is so refreshing. To and and I'm not comparing that to me getting a dog. <laughs> 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 well, I am. <laughs> But I don't feel anything for the dog at the moment.、Mm. I got a pit. There's a picture of me. It's very cute. Yeah.、Um, I, so I don't know where I'm going with this, Dave. But、um, but when we get the dog, supposedly they say in that once you have the dog,、mm. then you'll you'll really develop a connection to it.、Mm -hmm. But I think we all have.、Um, I suppose it's、um, that 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 capacity to love,、mm -hmm. and maybe what interests me about being a、mm. father is. And it, maybe this sounds selfish. Some people say like having kids is being selfish because you know whatever. Yeah.、Um, but I I want to、uh, 
love. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like with my partner at the moment, mm. I uh, there's something good about loving someone and them loving you back. Mm-hmm. I think there's really that's I don't sound cheesy, but you know, as the Beatles said, all you need is love. And then, <laughs> and then when you how I feel about my dad now, mm. again it sounds selfish. I would love it if someone felt that way about me. Mm-hmm. in 50 years time mm. um because you know i i adore my my dad and um and i and i think and actually um i heard someone else say this they're like becoming a parent doesn't just change your view of love it changes your capacity to love yes and yeah it's beautifully put yeah and um but it's not but but yeah it's sacrifice isn't it it is yeah and <laughs> it's exactly that capacity like how do you open up yourself like to to others and to the environment and like you know if we were to bring this back to to yoga oh yeah that's this uh, <laughs> no 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 like as in just because it's really all interconnected anyway mm, like this thing of being too introverted like true too insight reflective and how is it that you can then bring that insight back out and it's it's I, it's that connection that I can't quite like articulate yet, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, the the bridging of your 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 insight to the outside and the most physical manifestation of that is as as a, as a person, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> literally creating a human being to to love and oh, oh, that's okay, yeah, to look oh, and, and also and also to look after <clears throat> someone and mm-hmm. to. Um, I think I think that is an experience that if you if you have the option to yeah. adopt to surrogate mm. to give birth, I think it's um, something. If you didn't take it, you'd probably regret it. I imagine. I don't know. Mm. But but like um, obviously they're completely different. <laughs> but like getting a dog, I'm like okay, right. I have to make certain sacrifices yeah. now. But f- I like I don't I t- let people. I get people to take the shoes off when they come in the house. Yeah. I don't want people to stand on the carpet. Yeah. And I think, look, the dog, we're going to get a dog. It's going to cause mud everywhere. I'd rather a loving house yeah. and kids puke on the floor, dog mm-hmm. does whatever on the floor. I'd rather that and ruin all my furniture and have love in the house than have a pristine house mm-hmm. that has no love in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so true. But what? So what are you going to do then in terms of is that too personal being a becoming a father? What's the like? Is it easy to adopt um, in England? Because in Ireland, it's so hard to adopt. Yeah, yeah. So like we, I think we initially thought of adopting first, but then like looking at it, it does look like the harder option. Mm. Especially like it's an interesting one because it's easy to adopt uh, like an older child, but to adopt babies is virtually impossible <laughs> it's really really hard and um you know we've talked about like oh no we should like we should be open to the possibilities of adopting like for a, an older child as well because they are the other ones in need right because our whole perspective of why we were gonna look into adoption in the first place is that yeah there's enough uh children in the world like who needs love so why why do we need to go through surrogacy like why not just help out one of these children uh, but then we also then realized that hmm, like being a first-time parent, it is a lot easier to start m- having minimized um, the 
the challenges you may be facing.、Mm. So you know, with adoption,、uh, the older a child gets, there might be you know some trauma that they bring with them, and、uh, we need to be responsible enough to understand that. Hmm, do we have that capacity to 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 love?、Uh, A person who might be bringing challenging, like burdens, with them in our first go,、mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like okay, great, like I I could consider adopting an older child after my second and third child when I already sort of know what's coming, and then I know that okay now I can rise to the challenge,、mm. you know. But personally, this is where I'm at. Like I would rather we start a slightly easier route,、mm-hmm. and then really see what parenthood is like. And then, if we, if we have that capacity inside us, then okay, we open up to really,、um, you know, doing what、uh, we set out to do, which is to give love to these children who may be lacking a bit of love at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, and that is, that is a case of you have to.、Um, some people they're foster parents, or they're that's the, their job is essentially to like adopt kids, and、mm-hmm. they, that's what they do brilliantly, and that's probably their main thing,、mm-hmm. but. You, as you said, you don't know yet. It's the、mm. same way if I have,、uh, if I have my well, yeah. So if I have kids, let's say,、yeah. um, I want to know like, what am I going to be like as a father. I don't know.、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I'd be I'd be good, but、um, I would be good now. I think, but ten years ago, I wouldn't have been. Yeah. You know?、um, but as you said, you'd be doing you would be doing them a disservice、mm-hmm. if you adopted someone that you weren't able to look after. Say they had no. Issue, as you as you mentioned. With years comes、mm. trauma, mm. and that trauma takes many different forms. And do you or anyone else have the the skills to look after that person, give them what they need?、Mm-hmm. And、uh, that's probably why adoption is so difficult. Any、mm-hmm. anywhere you go,、um, we've gone off on it though.、Um, so okay, it's,、uh, I mean, way of living again. <laughs> I I still am so convinced that you know, like whatever is we're talking about can, like, there are mirrors of experiences. You can scale it down to what you experience on the mat. You can totally scale it up to to life. It's all it's all one, and it's even better actually that we're talking about things like like these you know, to really challenge the the norms of what may be presented as yoga right now. Yoga doesn't have to be about just like what you eat or like you know um、mm-hmm. uh, what you do on the mat, but it's these things, and to then see how through our practice we. Have、uh, been able to question our degrees of awareness in different aspects of our lives, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because、yeah. that's what matters. Like you can have the craziest practice, but if still you're not really questioning what you're doing in life, then are you really practicing yoga?、Mm-hmm. You're kind of just making shapes. Yeah, and you know, and yeah, and yeah, it's actually taking out to yoga, and I can talk about even my hamstrings. All right, why this relates?、Yeah. My hamstrings. So my hamstrings.、Um, I'm always doing things to my hamstrings to get a good handstand, right?、Mm. Let's say, for example, <laughs> and I do that through force. I'm like、mm-hmm. trying to, I do all these like, different hamstring stuff with with blankets and sliding out、mm-hmm. and all that kind of jazz, and I I'm always forcing, forcing every day, but so therefore in my head. The way to resolve anything is to give it more、uh, effort, almost more、yeah. aggression. It's one of a better word. Yeah. And what I've realised is that if I want to look after myself,、mm. maybe on a one day I need to go for a swim, or whatever.、Mm-hmm. The same way with being a father,、uh, you can't always be the the disciplinarian. You、mm. can't always be the oh, you wait till the father gets home.、Mm-hmm. If you're always that person,、um, things are gonna.、Um, Go pear shaped, basically. You know,、mm-hmm. you're you're going to become one dimensional,、mm-hmm. and、um, 
And that's that's and it sometimes we have to realize that in a world where doing is valued, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to let it be. Mm. It's the Beatles again, mm. <laughs> but I yeah, love it. Yeah, it um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so unfortunately we're restricted by time. How are we doing? We'll take what? oh quarter past. Yeah, I'll probably so, need to head soon. We're at, so uh, we've got to take to the airport mm-hmm. um, any final closing thoughts I was thinking I was, yeah, I, 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 I took my pen out there <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I guess yeah this, this idea you know this like constant need to do or to, to force one of the most profound things that I've learned again from from yoga in class was when uh, a teacher of mine said that giving in is not giving up mm. you know and like, so, okay, for example, this thing that I'm talking about me being a father and not like adopting uh, uh, an older child, I'm not giving up, but I'm giving in to the situation I am in at present and then using that awareness to then, you know, uh, find my way beyond that. And yeah, how, how can we give in, uh, like just give in or lean in to, to like, where we are at the moment and you know instead of forcing how can we yield this 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 idea of you know balancing the the surrendering and the resisting mm. there needs to be both mm. and not one yeah. um yeah brilliant. i guess that yeah, <laughs> anything you'd like to promote well nothing really <laughs> well keep questioning that's the one thing i want to promote just keep questioning ask uh, just ask things that you don't usually ask like go to complicated things the, the challenging things that nev- people never really talk about you know if you have a clear cut answer to something question it again like why is it so clear and it might be that it's still clear but like how how do you get to that clarity and like go go into that like not just on the map but like in your life you know like what uh how have you been managing your relationships you know not just with others but with yourself with your environment or like um the roads you walk every day like like wh- why you know like things that you do the food you eat and like um the the way you are just question everything and let that be something that empowers you like the uh, i've just learned in the recent training that the greatest tool towards trauma recovery is a sense of empowerment and empowerment comes from a rigorous questioning then you get this ownership of yeah i'm owning you know my my journey through my questions as a way of a compass Brilliant. yeah that's it i guess <laughs> thank you so much mate. thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening i really appreciate it if you'd like to support the podcast you can visit small changes there's no promo code just go along uh, to their store here in dublin and you can get yourself some organic produce and they're based in drum Condra. if you'd like to come to one of my workshops then you can come to salt and soul in december when we do handstands and that's going to be on the 14th in sligo strand hill yeah if you enjoyed the podcast feel free to share it with a friend or loved one on facebook or instagram or any channels that you use, TikTok, I don't, even know, I don't really know what that is, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. You know, keep up or get left behind, that's what they say. Um, yeah, so listen, thanks so much uh, for listening. If you follow me on Instagram, expect a lot more doggy pics. It's got to be done. Um, okay, all right, listen, thank you so much, uh, as always. Really appreciate it, and uh, I'll catch up with you next week. Bye.